Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Rogue Report Extra Podcast. I am Connor Bromley and I am filling in for Graham because I have a good friend of mine from university uh, all those years back, Alex Jones, you? the Dale man, nice Rochdale. You. How's things? Nice to meet you. Nice. <laughs> Known each other for years. Nice to hear you, man. <laughs> How's good. things, Alex? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, everything's feeling good these days, man. You're on a roll. Technically, we've won two games in the bounce, so I'm going to take that as. As a role, um, it's a bigger role than us. We've not won in three. Well, to be fair, mate, I think it's just, you've just been unlucky. To be honest, like you're very good defensively. It's just as soon as you hit your groove in this division and starting. Oh, to be fair, not even scoring goals is your problem. It's just, I mean, freak results. To be honest, I mean, you probably would have beaten Oxford if you'd kept up to eleven, man. I'd fair. Seen, but I base it all off of football on a, what's it called quests these days. Oh yeah. So all of a bit of quest. Everything that I base about Sunderland today is from the quest or the BBC. So if anything isn't factual or seems slightly biased, blame them and not me. But you've looked all right from what I mean. I watched the Charlton game at the beginning of the season. You look very good. Well, poor first half, grew into the game, grew into yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, but we are not here to talk. Oh, the dog's back barn in the background. Uh, we are not here today to talk about Sunderland. We are here to talk about Rochdale. So, so I want to take you back to about six years ago and yeah. you telling me about beating Southampton away in League One and that being like a, a crowning moment of your sort of Rochdale supporting life. Yeah, so, yeah. how big is this game that you've got at the weekend in comparison to that one all them years ago? It's nice. I like that. I like that. Well, for me, I think. Since Sunderland have been in League One, Sunderland will be the biggest team we've played at this level uh, comfortably. So I'm looking forward to going up to the city. It's a nice city going to Stadium of Light, nearly 50,000 seats. And I imagine Rochdale, for Rochdale standards, bring quite a decent following about, hopefully, I'd like to see it top 1,000, maybe 1,500 up there. And it's about half, test ourselves, half your home crowd. Just test ourselves against the best, really. Um but yeah, to be fair, like in the last year or so, we've we've done okay in getting more consistent home followings, um, mm-hmm. reduced ticket prices. I think it was like £150 for a season ticket this year, which for League One, especially for like 23 games, is fantastic. That's, um, it's a very good value. We pay, I think I paid 310 which I thought was a good value. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, look, for, for you, you get more, like I stand up. Oh, I can stand in the sandy lane, so it sounds great. But when it gets to November, December, December time, and it's minus two outside. 
and they're chaos and hot chocolate shut at half time, mate. I do struggle. But <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say it's the biggest game we've had since we've returned to League One without a doubt. Whether we it... get as good a result, I'm not so sure. Do you think it's the the biggest sort of league game? I mean, obviously you'll play cup games, but in terms of league games, Rochdale have spent pretty much all their existence in the fourth tier, but they have been up to the third tier. Yeah. Um, do you think this must be must be probably one of the biggest ever league crowds you've played in front of? I don't know if I don't have the stats behind that, but it, well, I can't in, think of. In my time, the Sheffield teams away, they always got around twenty thousand, but this year you've been getting like what average thirty thousand. Yeah, around pretty much. We've, been, mark, we've got over 32 for... Charlton. Um, no, Charlton was just over 30. Mm. I had just under 30 for Scunthorpe. I had 32 for Oxford, and then we've dropped to like 30 again for the Fleetwood game. So it's roughly 30 Basically, this weekend. It'll be good for the players, like the occasion. Like for League One players and League Two players, which the majority of our squad is built from, um, mm-hmm. they're not going to play in front of crowds like this. So I do hope that low down... The players look at it as a challenge to embark on rather than to be like petrified. Because when we go to the Sheffield teams in the past, I don't think we've won at a Sheffield ground. I think Southampton, to be honest, is the last. But I put, we beat Charlton away last year, but Southampton for me is the last true away scalping that we've had. Um, who, who was it that scored that day? That bold centre mid who went to Bradford? I think we called Gary Jones, mate. And it's oh, just, yeah, Gary Jones. I was so happy for the guy like he walked out in Wembley in the League Cup final the year after. And I was just like, you could have done that at Rochdale, mate. Do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> well, you did. You know, didn't you get the League Cup final, didn't you? In yeah, the yeah, because I remember, because again, I probably mentioned it in my undergrad or freshers year. Um, back in 63, Rochdale got to League Cup final against Norwich, two legs. Thought it were coming home, mate. <laughs> <laughs> before you were born. 31 years before you were born. I think we literally got beat like 3 0 at their place. I think we lost at our place as well, to be fair. So. It was the most comprehensive final victory probably known. Um, but it's a bit of history. We've got some history. Yeah. Um, yeah. But all in all, I'm just looking forward to going up to Sunderland and just seeing how we do. I mean, I, to be honest, at the moment, I'd be delighted with the draw. I'd love to keep up that drawing streak up there. You've got... Yeah, Oxford's legacy. Let's see what we can do. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Um, in terms of a, a, a danger man, um, the obvious one, Ian Henderson scored a hat-trick this weekend, mm. well, this past weekend. So, obviously, he's going to be a concern uh, for mm. Sunderland, but you know what What sort of qualities does he bring? He's been This season, it's been funny with Hendo, because normally, I mean, for me, he should be played up top, because he is, for League One standards, clinical. Um, I think he, on Saturday, he's now up to 95 goals altogether for Rochdale, so he's not that far off Reg Jenkins' record, which I think off the top of my head is about 127 goals. And if Ian's on 95, you'd think by the end of his contract in 2020, I think it is, mm-hmm. then we could see it broken. Um, he's very technical, Ian, to be honest. Um, he's got a great physique for a 33-year-old. He loves his Herbalife products. Uh, <laughs> he keeps in great shape from that and the endorsements. But um, very technically gifted. If you want to know a bit about Ian, he's got... Fantastic goals on YouTube. You want to see his best bits. He scored one against Leeds um, in 2014, where it was like a volley, cushioned it into the top corner to send Leeds out. And that's when I, I truly started to appreciate Henderson's value to the team because in that season where we went up in 2013-14, oh boy, it was a fantastic element of the side. Uh, Scott Hogan probably took the main plaudits. 
Yeah. Because uh, he scored 20 goals that season whilst he, and I think he only scored about 13 in the league that year. And he's more of a wide man, but he's become more centralised now. Um, also, Saturday's his first hat-trick in his career. So I'm hoping it's like a bus. You wait that long for a hat-trick and then two come along at once. Do you think Ian Henderson's going to bag a hat trick this weekend? That's your hot take. Yeah, he's, I mean, it'll probably be five free to Sunderland, but at least if Ian gets free, you know, it'd be good for League One fantasy. Um, he's just, he's good at meandering through, like he can switch between midfield and attack seemingly. He has good partnerships in the team. He's got a very good part. I think he likes to work off a tall target man next to him because on Saturday when we played Gillingham and we won, uh, yeah. it helped him a lot that like he was feeding off like Calvin Andrew uh, for the first goal, Calvin prods it through and he feeds onto that and scores. Um, also, on the third goal, uh, we've also recently signed Aaron Wilbraham. Do you remember that? Pulse yeah, that Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace, Crystal City. He's been, Whatever you say, he's probably been there at some point. So, uh, he also assisted the third goal by dropping off at the back post and then feeding the ball back to Ian Anderson where he became immortal with like some sort of spinning, <laughs> flying leg kick to the ball. <laughs> And it flew in, and it's probably the best goal I've seen at Scotland. Um, but yeah, I think it does rely on like a tight man, maybe to do like bringing down work. And he, he's very fast, runs off the back of the defence. So you'll need pace at the back as well as a tight man. Uh, so, it's probably neutralise that threat. So, how do you, you set up overall? I mean, what we've came up against a lot of teams at Sunderland who sort of get in my faces straight away, very aggressive, very tenacious. Mm-hmm. A Rochdale, that kind of team. I mean, how do you set up formation wise and how does the, you know, what is a Keith Hill team like? Well, I think away from home, I think our, our style of play is more suited to being away from home because it's more counter attackive. Mm-hmm. Um, at home this season, we've struggled to be fair. Like, we've lost to Peterborough and Barnsley like, comprehensively. And we lost to Walsall. But mind you, they're all at the very top of the league. So, luckily now, it's maybe not as bad a loss as I thought it was at the time. Away from home, our, our record's decent this year. We kept a clean sheet at Coventry. And beat them. we beat Burton away when they came down. And I think across the victories away from home, it's our pace which has undone the opposition. Uh, against Burton, they're both well-taken counter-attacking goals. Um, and then, referring back to Calvin Andrew, it was his height against Coventry where he guided the header past the Coventry defence and into the net. And, and, and basically, we've just been fantastic in exploiting gaps in the defence when the opposition maybe think, oh, we will take the game to Rochdale. Then we can counter-attack and uh, make the most of that. But also, I think away from home, we've probably set up maybe four and then five in the midfield, maybe one up top. Um, because we did try five at the back at the beginning of the season, but that was disastrous. So I'm hoping... I'm hoping he does what he goes with on a, anyway, on Saturday. He did 4 2 3 1. Mm-hmm. And then we played Rathbone in uh, at the CDM with Camps. Sorry, Central Defensive midfielder with Callum Camps. And mm-hmm. then we just had behind him, we had Rafferty. Uh, McGahey, who has formed into a fantastic defender at this level. I'll be very surprised if he's in League One in the next couple of years, that's uh, for sure. And then after that, we got Delaney, who's quite good in the air as well. He's quite good at. Contributed, contributed two goals last season for us and then we've also signed Sam Hart from Blackburn and he's been putting it a left back instead of Matty Dawn over the last couple of weeks I don't think he'll lose his place so I imagine that's how we'll set up and we'll play on the counter and see if we can nick maybe one goal just one goal would be great to be honest just a goal <laughs> up there would be fantastic uh, Zach Clough signed 
for for Dale on on yeah, deadline yeah, day, and yeah, yeah. that seemed to send a bit of a shock wave certainly to me. I was like, why would Sunderland for him? But uh, is he is he played yet? And if he has, how's he done? Well, he played. He made his debut on. Is it the LDV? What's it called these days? Johnson. Oh, check a trade. Oh, check a trade. Another iconic cut and part of there. Uh, um, <laughs> so he scored in that one. He scored against Bury in his debut, um, and from that, I thought. You know, I, I've not really known what's happened to him at Forest, to be fair, because I remember him at Bolton around he was 2015, class, wasn't he? 16. Yeah, he was scoring a few goals for them. And when they came down originally, he scored about 10 at this level to get them promoted. Again, he just he left for Forest, I think it was last year. And I think because of the, mar- the managerial merry-go-rounds at Forest and the amount of new signings they've made this summer, he's just been frozen out. So to get him, I mean, we desperately at that point, I was fearing that we needed an extra bit of uh, reinforcement up top. Uh, he comes in, scores against Barry. I'm thinking, decent, this guy fills the gap nicely until January, takes a bit more pressure off Ian up front to get the goals. But then he got booked at Scunthorpe last week. We were a couple of goals down. He didn't appear against um, Gillingham this week, so I don't know if it's an injury because we have had a few injuries that have built up recently. I mean, Andy Cannon, I'd love to have played in this Saturday coming, but he's injured. Brad Inman, he was key last year in our survival, but he's injured. But Zach Clough, I'm not sure if it's disciplinary or injury. I mean, I've not really seen anything disclosed regarding that. Um, I remember against Scunthorpe, he did get substituted after 30 minutes because he had a yellow card. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if something has built up behind the scenes from that viewpoint, but I don't expect him to play at Sunderland in offence. I imagine we'll be unchanged. So probably just doing Andrew up top with Abraham Henderson and maybe behind Henderson, we've started playing... Uh, a former youth player, Matty Gillam, he's scored a couple of goals recently. Uh, first proper streak in the first team, so I imagine that Zach Clough won't play at all, to be honest. You mentioned um, sort of Rochdale playing a, a counter-attacking game. Mm. So, should Sunderland expect you to sit in and, you know, sort of exalt, absorb pressure? Because this year at home, mm. every team pretty much has came to stable light, has actually came to attack and yeah. sort of, you know, overpower us with energy and... Mm just a high press that our midfielders and defenders just kind of seem to deal with. And yeah. the fact that you're saying that you're a bit more of a counter-attacking team actually uh, fills me with a little bit of, of hope because mm. we've really struggled when teams have started the game quicker than us. I mean, I don't know if you've looked at the stats for Sunderland this year, but we've mm. conceded the first goal in pretty much every game and we've started slowly in every game but the Scunthorpe game where we were 3-0 up by half-time. So it, it's... I think you're in good company of anything because we, we're not that razor sharp really at the beginning I mean this weekend I don't know what's happened to us because we, we were two up by half time and that's for Rochdale that's unheard of really <laughs> like against Fleetwood we were slow starting against Peterborough we had a fantastic start we took lead after 10 minutes and we threw one down by half time so I think we do have a bit maybe some issues maybe getting into the game initially it was spoke on the Dale forum as well about the need to maybe pick up the intensity and to get more as you said to to rally opposition and make sure you let them know that you're in a game. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I mean, as much as they're a counter-attack, we also have good energy in the midfield, like Rathbone and Callum Camps, sorry. Uh, they're both early 20s. Rathbone has got an engine in him. I, I don't know what he is on a match day, but it, it does the job. I imagine a lot of cardio there because he is, he is rapid. He does a lot of chasing. Um, he was very, they were both very influential from in the game against Tottenham. Um Camps probably was my man of the match that day against Tottenham when we played him in the cup at Scotland. He he hounded the likes of Musa Sissoko and Harry Binks off the ball. He aren't exactly 
in bad physical shape. And it, just the press that day worked fantastic. But it's up to Keith, in all fairness. Keith's a bit of a maverick at times, kind of like sometimes <laughs> you expect maybe a passing game, a bit more patience in build-up up for Saturday. As much as we're a counter-attacking team, I imagine the first 10 we will try and maybe just just try and press you back and just get a bit of air and a bit more time to compose because sometimes in these big games and these big atmospheres in front of big crowds, you can be overawed. So I think Keith will be saying maybe plus 10, 15, just to keep it a bit more tight-packed and then uh, hopefully build the confidence throughout the match and see, hopefully, if we can, again, just score one goal, it'll be great. Just <laughs> one goal, really. But yeah, that's what I think would happen. Um, where... where- well, I watch deal weak. You know, what's the one area of the team? You got like a dodgy fullback or no, a centre back who kind of went ahead of just flip it in the box. Just get in the box. So you poor defensively from you know height essentially. Set pieces. If you watch the game against Scunthorpe, I, I mean I've seen people when I was in PE and set to PE in high school, I've seen better man marking. Like <laughs> any ball that is curved in towards the goal, it just seems to be panic and indecisiveness. I'm not sure maybe if after Saturday there might be a bit more confidence in defence. Like, on Saturday, we put McGahey on Gillingham's most prolific attacking... Well, he's not, he might, he's not he's most renowned, uh, Tommy Eves, and he just marked him out the game. And from that, we just neutralised any threat that Gillingham came forward with. Um, but at the same time, we've conceded crosses from set players against Peterborough. We've conceded two goals from crosses. Scunthorpe, we conceded two goals from crosses. One goal, he, he literally picked up for the corner and just walked past the first mark and ended up just walking into the box and shooting and scoring. So, set pieces definitely don't fill me with any hope whatsoever. So, as soon as there's a set piece and sat, there'll be a lot of widespread panic. But I, <laughs> I think it's the same from Sunderland, isn't it? You, it is. <laughs> your set pieces are again a bit wary. So, yeah, we, it'll we've been... be really fun. It'll be really good to watch the corner count on Saturday and just watch the widespread trauma of the crowd's yeah, well... faces, watch the ball come into the box. We seemingly just we we don't really have any tall players after our centre backs. Like we've got two tall centre backs. Well, even then, Jack Baldwin's not a giant, but he is good at. You know, he's he's probably yeah, yeah. yeah, he's probably our best player to be honest at the minute, especially with Max Power being suspended. But we we just can't seem to to deal with that physicality. We just go through a spell in the game where we'll concede a few corners, and then the opposition will get one right, and it it just seems like we're not marking them. Hmm. But. We've talked about sort of your weakness. What What is the, the strength? I mean, what should Sunderland be thinking? You know, if a certain player turns up, could it be that? Or is it, you know, mm. I don't know, you're good at the long ball game? I mean, what, what is it that Rochdale will bring? And if they have a good game, what will it be that will, you know, turn the game into their favour? I think we've just... The thing is, even though last year we did, we did struggle, I won't lie, in the league terms, it, we were relegated at like 66 minutes last year. Um, but what I was praised about Keith is, is his adaptability and change throughout the game um, for instance in that game against Charlton last season the last game of the season uh, we, we were all but we were down basically we needed to score a goal and Keith just put Joe Thompson on the pitch and reconfigured the shape of the team and, and played towards our strengths which I probably would say the height can be a strength for us as well even though like we've had issues of defending putting Wilbraham and Andrew on at the weekend, that's two extra people at the back to clear the lines. It's also two people to help bring the ball down and help to keep the floor going up front and to hold the ball up whilst players like Rathbone maybe could come and join the attack from midfield and create more options. Um, We're very good at possession-based football. Um, We like to pass it from side to side and from the back, but sometimes it can be a bit tedious. Um, 
especially like this season, like against Peterborough. I remember after half time, we were 3 1 down and nothing was progressing at the top of the pitch at all. We were just passing it from left channel to right channel, and, and that was it basically. But I'd, I'd probably say it's a combination probably earlier on of just keeping the ball. But if we were to go behind, I wouldn't be surprised if we'd go to a long ball tactic towards Calvin or to Albi and see if we can get any fruits from that perspective. But what would you say is what would you say for us would be some of the strong points? Uh, I think if Rochdale don't start well mm-hmm. and sort of let Sunderland get a, a bit of control um, of the game early on, then I think they could struggle because against Scunthorpe, they just couldn't deal with, you know, sort of us going forward. Whereas yeah. teams, the other teams that have kept the same light have all sort of brought the game to us and we've actually been a bit um, flat-footed, to be honest, to start games. And I think you should also be worried that, you know, as bad as we have been in games, in every single game this season we've played, we've always had a spell where we've been able to, you know, score, you know, one, two, three, four goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have been able to do that this year. So I think a case of if you are on top against Sunderland, you have to do what Burton did and you have to score the second goal. Mm. If you go 1-0 up against her, but you don't, you know, it's half time if it's 1-0 and you've had a brilliant half, then I would worry if I was you because the likelihood is is that we will, in the second half, create a lot of chances and we'll, we'll sort of get but things. What I, what I have realised with someone, as you said, is like, your character within the team, it, it's, it seems fantastic from an outsider's point because against Wimbledon, I think you was a goal down with like 20 to go. Yeah. And you came back and won that game. You came back against Charlton. Chillingham came away. back against Oxford. You came back against Chillingham. So it's a never-say-die attitude, which for a Sunderland fan after maybe the last couple of years, you, you must be just buzzing to see that resilience in it throughout your side to not lie down or to not let everything get on top of you and always to try and find a way through, which at League One level is vital. Yeah. You're, think... not gonna, you're not going to play well for every, 46, every one of the 46 games. There will be times in winter where the fixtures do pile up. As we've seen last year in a 46 game season, it's just about plucking away and getting getting results. Yeah, I think I think it's the quality as well. Like I think you look at Sunderland's team. I mean, you you'll certainly have in preparation for doing this podcast, you would look at our squad, and there must be players on there which you wonder why they're in League One. You know, Aidan McGeady. You'd look at you'd probably look at Lyndon Gooch, who's a USA international, Brian yeah. Oviedo, Catamol. I mean, if you look at all that quality they actually have in the team. It it does make you wonder, sort of, you know, how we have struggled to yeah we have struggled sometimes in games for spells um in terms of actual threats to win the game which i suppose is ultimately what you were asking in the first place you know players like lyndon gooch you know if you if your fullback kind of defend against lyndon gooch then he will tear you to shreds you know you'll mm. create you'll be dangerous you'll risk conceding penalties and yellow cards against him because he is you know that sort of player who will take on a man and can yeah. do it well was he very effective in the championship as well? When he was given a chance, he was very yeah. he was very stoppy starty last year. I mean, he made his he, he came through um, really under David Moyes in that awful Premier League campaign. But he would got a bad injury that year, and then last year I think it was he was still kind of coming back from it. He, he he never seemed to get a proper run in the team, despite looking very good every time he got a game. This year yeah. just seems to have been a clean slate for him, and he he started the season very hot, very very good. He, he's chilled down a little bit in the last couple of games, but I I think he'll he'll certainly you know get back up to the level that we know we can play because he is I would argue probably one of the best or if not the best attacking player in this league in terms of wingers. Yeah. Um, 
we've also got, you know, I look at in midfield, Dylan McGeoch might play this weekend and he's, again, he's been injured to start of the year, uh, but he came with a lot of fanfare, a lot of a big reputation from Hibs. The knock on him is that he constantly gets injured. But if he can, you know, show why everyone was so excited about him signing, this weekend looks like the, a good game for him if he is fit. So yeah. I think it, there is worries for Rochdale in the sense that if this weekend is the game that it takes for Sunderland, then they could be in for a, a nightmare afternoon. On the flip side of that, though, they are coming against a, a team that did lose at the weekend and didn't perform very well. So whether it's going to be wounded animal Sunderland that's going to lash out and retaliate, or if it's going to be a Sunderland that feels sorry for itself, which we're used to seeing over the last few years, I think yeah. in a lot of ways it could be the mental battle for Sunderland. Mm. Well, I think as well, I think with, Rock, with like when you look at Rochdale, you do look at Ian's stats and the fact he has been top scorer for the last four seasons. People focus on him, but I think only Rathbone's grown in this season, especially into quite a, a force from midfield. Like he scored twice against Grimsby recently in the uh, checker trade. He scored uh-huh. twice against Scunthorpe um, a couple of weeks ago as well. And it's his, his energy and tenacity is feeding onto Camp too. For me, Callum Camps, I think one day he will play in the second tier. Uh-huh. It's just a case of when. But last season, his form did meander uh, throughout the season through good and bad spells. And I think the assurance and the energy alongside Rathbone is bringing out the best in Callum Camps now. So I'm just hoping that maybe we can get a decent balance in midfield because we brought in Dave Perkins from Wigan. Yeah. And I thought Blood Perkins lad. would be... Yeah, 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 he's been there back in the days with us like 10... He scored against Darlington in the playoff semi-final 10 years ago and he's come back. He's like Flash Gordon. It's <laughs> madness. But he's just he's not had a game basically because of Rathbone's contribution and his assuredness because last season what our big thing was in midfield was experience at times. Uh, but this season Rathbone's just grabbed it by a scruff of the neck and he's He's playing some blinding performances. So he's also a guy that maybe you'd want to maybe in midfield try and snuff out or put a catamole on him or maybe a CDM um, just to mark him out the game to maybe isolate the midfield. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a test, but I'm informed by I'm informed by this. I'm hoping maybe we don't catch you in a wild cat phase, we catch <laughs> more like a bit more on the low. But we'll see. We'll definitely uh... I've I've got a simple question here. Uh is Keith Hill a legend? Yeah, I, I love Keith. I've I've seen him in Manchester a couple of times. I, I, do you know, like on, in Hollywood, if you walk past someone, you're starstruck. Well, me walking past Pizza Express and seeing Keith's face <laughs> was just a magical moment. There's been a lot of speculation. Like, I mean, this year he's had some bizarre interviews. Like, um, I think was it after the Walsall game? It could have been. Yeah, after the Walsall game, I think he said to supporters. If you want me gone, contact the chairman. Now, I don't know what supporters want Keith out of Rochdale because I remember when he left originally uh, in 2011 to Barnsley. Mm-hmm. I remember you know, that. The club just fell apart. There was just no recruitment, no longevity. I mean, he did take a lot of his players with him, which is understandable because Barnsley, as much as I love Rochdale, Barnsley are a bit of a bigger catch. Um, but he left and we were just in havoc and he came back, he stabilised the club in the lower depths of League Two. I thought we were going to go back-to-back relegations at one point. Came back in 2013 with Ian Henderson. Um, it was a match made in heaven. And then since then, he's, he's took the club on to, on to ridiculous heights. And like, in terms of his achievements of the club, I mean, we've had our top ever finish, eighth in League One. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had our record fifth year in a row in League One. 
which matches the achievement of the 1969-74 side. He's got us some of the biggest what's all in our history as well. Like we've been to Wembley twice under him. We've had playoff drama, heartache, ecstasy under the guy. He's <laughs> a living legend. And he wears flat caps, mate, and he dresses like Peaky Blinders. I think he's an absolute godsend. <laughs> he's a maverick. He's, he's indescribable what he has done for my football club. And I think, in all honesty, if he doesn't get a statue, maybe alongside Ian, if they don't get a statue when they're retired, then I don't know who does get a statue, to be honest, because what he has done for the, not just the club, but the town as well. Like the football club is representing the town in a good light over mm-hmm. the last few years or so. So for me, he's he's biblical. He's he's generally biblical. I, I'm starting to well up now, probably. <laughs> All right, I'm going to bring you back down to earth with this next one. So last year you finished twentieth, and you just survived. And I remember tracking it because I, I do always uh, hope that Rochdale beat Oldham Thank in that you. annual Thank relegation so scrap. <laughs> last I'm year it was. Yeah, last year it was like Oldham, Berry, Rochdale, all down there fighting yeah, away at yeah, the bottom yeah. of the league. Football was not doing well last year at all. But you came out on top. But the, the interesting thing was, is before that you'd had, you know, three really solid seasons. You were top 10 yeah. every year, weren't you? Yeah, so what, what what changed last year? Why why were you struggling so much? I mean, I know that your home form last year dipped, didn't it? Am yeah. I right in saying that? For, for, me, for me, draws cost us a lot of draws last season. Um, we didn't lose too many games, but we just when we had winning positions, we just didn't hold on to them. Um, it's getting especially stressful towards the end, Connor, because like I remember the game, the second to last game of the season was at Oxford, and mm-hmm. we won a lot with like twenty minutes to go, and we just need to hold on, and we wouldn't have had to have the whole final day drama that unfolded, even though I am mm-hmm. eventually like, that did happen, and we just conceded to penalties. Um, in the last 20 minutes and I think it was a mental edge at times I think maybe fatigue could also come into it from like the cup run yeah and maybe players' attention's not been solely focused on the league when they should have done because I remember we beat Tottenham I mean not we didn't beat Tottenham that's fake news so <laughs> we drew to Tottenham and uh, the week after we played MK Dons at home and it was the most flat performance I've seen from us that season there was nothing going attacking wise I mean maybe, I think we hit the bottom like the first half now and nothing happened and I think it was a combination of maybe players maybe being a bit distracted and fatigued from the cup exploits. I think it's it's sometimes bad luck. I think like as much as mental edge, like a lot of things just weren't going for us. Like a lot of goals and decisions last season, particularly in the final ten minutes, hurt us badly. Um, it happened against Portsmouth. It happened against so many games last season. I could just recite from like last minute goals, which just broke my heart on Twitter. To be honest, I mean. I think Bradford did it to us as well in April time of last season. So I just think that, I don't think we deserve to be where we were in the table. I think we were better than getting relegated from League One. But I do think that we put ourselves in our own jeopardy, to be honest. I think we were lucky to get out of it. I'm grateful we are. Um, in- but I don't want to have an end of season like that ever again, please. Because I aged about 40 years and my hairline's gone back. What's the aim then this year? So where what represents? I suppose what represents uh, an okay season, and what represents a very good season for Rochdale? I mean, is there any sort of expectation to get in the playoffs, or is that just a a, a dream where if it happens, happy days, we can never expect in it? Well, I think the best chance we ever got from the playoffs, um, it would have been either twenty sixteen seventeen, where we was literally we held on at Oldham away uh, that year. And then we'd beaten Bradford at home, we would have been guaranteed playoffs. Uh-huh. Um, 
the other opportunity would have been 2014 15 time, but I think Matty Dawn got sold to Sheffield United that year and broke my January Blues into Smithereens. But I mean, I can't believe we'd sold him at the time. For playoffs this season, I don't see it. Um, I think there's there's a lot of big budgets in this league. You've got to look at the league table right now. I mean, you've got Peterborough for me, they'll be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Good goal for it, aren't they? Yeah, very up. They've got. I think they signed Jason Cummings from... Yeah, he's a tiny player, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he rinsed Dale to shreds the other week, so I don't want to see him again. Um, Barnsley, a very good team at this level. Um, Sunderland, obviously, you'd expect them to be there or thereabouts. And then after that, you'd probably have the likes of Burton to get it back on form. So it's a very, very competitive league one this year in terms of standards. I think there's not really a front run at the moment, but I think... There is a decent patch of teams which will be around the playoff match. So I don't think Dell can get that. What I want from Rochdale this year is to develop maybe a few more of our youth players. I mean, Matty Gillum's come back in the team. Um, uh-huh. To see him grow as a player and maybe to learn off Henderson as the season goes would be fantastic for me. Personally, mid-table. Mid-table. If we got into the third round of the FA Cup again, I'd be ecstatic. But mid-table for me um, would be great. I think in, att- in terms of attacking sense, we do have firepower to maybe mount a playoff challenge I'm just not sure that the rest of the team has caught up to that level yet I was say, do you ever worry that if Rochdale did get in the championship I've looked at teams like into the playoffs you know, no I mean in the championship you did go up you made that step you got into the, the next level do you ever worry that you would end up doing like a Yeovil where you you get I'm up there or, again. yeah or Burton you know might do that kind of thing eventually would you, if you go up into the championship and your budget goes up so much and to compete, even just to compete to the point where you might just stay up. Is that not a worry? You know, that would kind of like, oh, it's a bit scary, isn't it? To think that if you went up, it might go horrendously wrong, you know. No, no, Keith I, Hill I, I might leave. Yeah. I, I could say, I remember when we first came up um, in 2010 and our first, our first spell Keith was in charge. We, we got pretty, I think we got to like at points, like fourth place in the playoffs. And I think as a fan base, really, we were, we were never going to be ready for the championship. And I, and to be honest, Connor, we could be in League One for five more years and not a playoff. But I still don't think the club would be ready for it because we never had championship football, so we don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what would happen to the budget. I don't know if we'd have to sell players. Would we? Who could we get in? Because even though we would be in the second tier, we'd still be feeding off the scraps with the other twenty-three championship sides. And um, Burton, in my opinion, did a miracle of just surviving. Uh, yeah, Nelly survived again as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're signed. Decent players for a championship. For me, I don't think clubs who may be more adaptable. To, like, look at MK Dons. They went to championship and failed. Yeah. Peter they've ended up falling through the leagues, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Peterborough, the exact same. As you say, Yorval, Burton have tried it. Um, Blackpool, even, you can look, you can look at them. And maybe they're more mismanaged than falling. Yeah, the it's the ownership um, there. Yeah, yeah. What but do you think what, is. Football or college, you know what I mean? Like, it's something you want to have. Glory. The game is about glory. It's true. And uh, just to have one year in the championship for me would be fantastic. But I don't know. I don't think it happened. That's been realist rather than romantic. But do you not think that Keith Hill sits there? Like The ultimate ambition must be, for a League One team that's been at that level now for five years, the ultimate ambition must be to go into the little bit division, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, do, do you think as well the club, is the club self-sustainable? Rochdale is it a club that Club's lives well within its means yes it's, it's very well run um, I don't I, I don't think we've been in administration not in my lifetime I, know, I don't think we've ever had that 
I mean, there was a point around 2009 to 10 season where we had to sell off Alfie, uh, Adam LaFondra. We sold him to mm-hmm. Rotherham, and that sale allegedly had kept us afloat. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that year we went up, so we didn't have any money problems after that, really. But we've always we've always operated with a small but more fan base. Like we do get around two and a half to three thousand if we're lucky at home. And to them, it's just turn up at Rochdale the weekend. And the club has adapted to that model. Like they know Rochdale will find it hard to get because we're very located as well. Like we've got the United Cities. Yeah, yeah, what Everton's out that far and over the over the border these days, Huddersfield, twenty minutes down the road. I, I wanted to ask you kind of about, you know, if I walk down Rochdale town centre, uh heaven forbid. <laughs> what would I see? I'd get you a taxi to Monk, that's what I'd say. Um, <laughs> what would you I see think, though? What in terms of football fan, in terms of the town? Yeah, like a football fan, you know, in Rochdale. Is it a case that's so United fans? Is it like um, to be in a in a weird way, but obviously you know that I'm from Blythe and I'm very patriotic about Blythe Spartans. Yes, yes. Is it similar to me being a Blythe Spartans fan and a Sunderland fan? Are people like a Man United fan and a Rochdale fan, or is that just me being very patronising and wrong? No, no, no. I place some fat there. Some people. I mean, I've I've admit I admit um, who went down with all time. To be honest, I still do um, on the odd occasion. And he's a Liverpool fan, but he's just his mum and dad have got him into because it's accessible football as well. That's if you're a Rochdale, like if you're a United or a City fan or a Liverpool fan, you might have to wait such and such. You're not going to go the game you want to unless mm-hmm. like a season ticket order. So Rochdale does offer football that's accessible. It's the same with clubs like Oldham and Bury and Stockport. We are peripheral clubs on the, on the outskirts of Greater Manchester. Probably just vying just existence. I mean, Mancunian football. Even if you look at the likes of City United growing over the last 10 years, Wigan have come down from the Premier League into League One. You know, Stockport have got relegated to non-league. Oldham and Barry last season. They're in Blythe. They're in the conference. North. North. Yeah, they're in Blythe. We played them last year. Beat them last year, 3-2. Fascinates me how Stockport are at that level. It's mad. Um, yeah. And hopefully Blythe in League One with us soon, mate, so you can do a podcast with them. Oh, I don't but... think I would actually hate it if Blythe and Sunderland <laughs> were in the same league. It would be the worst day ever. It would be like that meme where Spider-Man and Spider-Man are standing up. Like, it's just like, who do I support? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would still support Sunderland still the number one, ultimately. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be. I mean, ne- very nearly a few years ago, Blythe played Blackburn in the FA Cup. And yeah. if they'd won that game, they would add Sunderland in the fourth round. So it did nearly happen. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. it didn't because I had no idea. Yeah, I was kind of hoping Blythe got beat in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> just so it didn't just happen. That early guy in the, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing I sort of wanted to, to touch on was who was who your big sort of rival game? I mean, is it them Manchester clubs you mentioned, the Oldham, the Berries, the Stockports? Is that the, the grudge matches for you? Changes like with Sunderland, you know, you're both you and Newcastle know that till the day you die, yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, as much as Middlesbrough try and get in there, it's it's just they're not relevant. Um, for <laughs> Rochdale, in terms of like United and City, we're just not relevant. I don't think we played United or City in a competitive match in my lifetime. We played Liverpool in the 90s, but we've never played one of the Manchester clubs. Back in 2008-12 days, I'd probably say the Berry were our biggest rivalry because we were both in League 2, vying to promotion for League 1. Uh, the game's always got quite heated. Uh, 
the followings were quite big as well for Rockstar and Berry at that time. We used to take quite a few over to their place. They always bring a good crowd to Scotland. But in more recent years, I'd probably say Oldham have turned into a bit more of a, a more of a rival than Berry, really, just because again we've been playing from a more consistent level. And um I think like in the 2016-17 season, uh Oldham pretty much did put an end to our playoff bid. So to some supporters that might hurt them up as well. I don't know. It's confusing time for Rochdale now because we've lost Oldham and Berry, and we're just a bit alone. Do you know? Keep keep your enemies closer. Do you know what I mean? Like we just want somebody to just not to be Green Street too. I'm not like that, Connor. I just want you know. <laughs> I just yeah. want to be a bit of banter. I'm not, I'm not a folk. I don't listen to this. <laughs> like I'm a folk on the back of the world. But I just want a derby. Really, I mean, this year, if anything, our derby would probably be Atkinson. But I don't look at Atkinson like a derby. Atkinson are proper. I like Atkinson to be honest. Not. Don't mind them at all. Proper friendly club, proper Lancashire <laughs> club. Um, and I've never really classed them as a rival, really. Well, they're, Again, they're, it they're a non-league club, weren't they, for years? Well, I know. But they've, they've, they've done well, I think, so, like, to get to the stage right. And to be fair, they could be a bit of a rival that's developing, maybe because John Coleman... Yeah, because you hate John today. Coleman, don't you? Well, John Coleman just came down. I think it, it they just weren't suited for each other. Like it just one of them? Just everything work. looked all right. You both swiped right, but it just yeah, was never yeah. ever going to be a, and then, you a t- thing. and then you turn up at uh, Pizza Express, and then she wants the garlic door balls. You want the cinnamon door balls, which is like <laughs> just doesn't work. Mm, uh, yeah, I was like, like, just before we to compare John Coleman to a Pizza Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like Pizza Express. That's twice you've referenced that. I do. I do. Sorry. Uh, I sort of want to touch on so a positive kind of on the, the Sunderland perspective, but I mean, what what is your views on Sunderland A, being in League One, but Sunderland kind of as a club? I mean, I know you spent a lot of time at, you obviously went to university with me and you will have had me bleating on about it, but did you ever think you that... You never mentioned you were a Sunderland fan. Did I not? <laughs> did you ever believe that, though, that me and you would have be having a conversation about a Sunderland-Rochdale League game? No. 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 You need to get out of this league, man. You, you don't, you don't belong here. Um, I mean, our fans like it. We we sort of enjoyed it in a weird way. It's nice to go to the the smaller stadiums um, and kind a of rustic, a bit romantic, would you say? Yeah, like and and plus two English football, like it's like the pain. You know, we, we've had a nightmare ownership, and I think to to get rid of the nightmare ownership, we had to go through this kind of pain you know almost like an operation and now we're getting better we've got nice owners and everything kind of looks hunky-dory I, mean, I don't know if you tracked the situation at Sunderland over the the summer and well I've you know. seen um I've, I, first of all like it was widespread on like I remember he came down from the premiership uh was it 2017 you came down yeah is that the year you got yeah and I remember a lot of focus being put on Alice short then um and then throughout League One, like the club just seemed, not League One, so the Championship, the club just seemed to go more and more into dire straits, to be honest. Um, just the management of the club and the recruitment from that side, the money seemed to just gone, evaporate, really. Which was a bit surprising to me because I know Sunderland have always had a really well fan base. Yeah. And they've always done well in terms of ticket receipts. And to be fair, it was surprised me it become that mismanaged really because I remember back in the day when you used to have Darren Bent Asmore GM oh don't do you know the Trinity Jordan Henderson the Trinity that, uh, know, hey. like oh then Danny Rose back in the day as well John. I know a bit about Sunderland don't get me wrong but <laughs> I don't know what yeah I understand though you can see it as like a rustic um, something a bit enjoyable but I think after a couple I mean this is what happened to the Sheffield clubs they came down in the other year it's like oh it's nice don't it it is nice but I still think Sunderland at the end of the day should be it 
looking for instant promotion back to the championship at least. Um, do, you, do you look at it as a Premier League club? Is Sunderland a Premier League club or is that my rules of course, tinted glasses? Of course. Yeah. Like I went Newcastle and I, I'm not going to lie, I had, had favouritism towards Newcastle. Cause I know I you did. Newcastle we had many arguments. The effect and to be honest, the fact I'm here now is the greatest reprieve in history, so thank you. But the thing is about Newcastle and Sunderland, as much as they are rivals, uh, they've always had very low followings. They've always been a big institution of English football. You've won six league titles. You've won four FA Cups. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's teams in the Premier League that pittance of history of Sunderland. No. Let's be honest. And, I'll and take that Sunderland, pat on the back. Well, <laughs> Feels 10 foot taller now. It's, it's facts, you know what I mean? Like, everyone in, like, I remember on the last day of the season uh, when we stayed up against Charlton, people just celebrate on the pitch. We're playing Sunderland! <laughs> like, We're playing Sunderland, yes. <laughs> up there, decent. <laughs> Go to the National Glass Museum before kickoff. It's a good little facility. I'm just looking forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I didn't actually get the chance to go Southampton in 2010. And it's no, I wasn't really about it. Yeah, yeah. The biggest regret. regret. Yeah, yeah. Um, is this your is this your sort this of is no regrets? This is no regrets, yeah. mate. This is definitely <laughs> achieving a goal. I can't wait to just go up there and just see the ground, to be honest. Like when you pass it on the metro and stuff, it's 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 a cathedral, mate. Like the whole city looks towards on the on the banks of the way, it's fantastic, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the, the atmosphere because you also get a few decibels in there as well. Um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a cheeky little score prediction uh, from you. Do you want to um, give us two? Do you want to give, give us the, the heart and the head? Yeah, give both. So, right, okay. At the same time, so head. I'm gonna say a draw. I'm gonna say we'll just come up there and we'll just draw. Okay. And my heart's probably still a draw. To be honest, I mean, my heart. I would say a victory, but I don't. Mm. I just think you've got very good players at League One level in that team and a lot of prospects coming through as well like that. Josh Vadjar, he started the season, he looks a threat. He looks a handful at this level. But he's tidy like, yeah. under his head. Like, yeah. he kind of do that with his head in like an aerial battle, you'll always lose. But I mean, if you get it at his feet, you'll just, he ties defenders and knots at this level. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine he's quite fast as well, to be fair. Yeah, um, he's, he's just a... a He's a very good footballer, very skillful, very good technique, you know, good finisher. He just seems he hasn't quite learned every area of the game yet, but that's because he's 19 years old, you know. I mean, is he from the academy? Uh, he's actually from Fulham Academy, and then we brought him oh, in. Right, yeah, yeah, Fulham. Uh, like, brought him in a couple of years ago. We, he was yeah, yeah. kind of came through with like Joel Asoro, who yeah, yeah. ended up going to Swansea um, yeah. this past summer. So he, he does look, you know, a good player, and I certainly would worry. He's got a very it's like a, he finishes with like a quick shot. He, he just, mm. the keeper never expects it and it like goes a, in. Like a snap effort. Yeah. Like and I think it's, it, the goal against Charlton kind of is him. You know, he just for no reason kind of scores. He has that in his locker. Uh, he's a, he's a, seems to be a very tidy finisher. I think some fans are a bit worried going into this season yeah. uh, about whether or not he could lead the line, but he, he's done a, a very good very job. job. Um, so I think I think we're going to pretty much wrap this one up uh, Alex it was obviously good talking to you as always and I'm looking forward to seeing you for the first Thank time you. in three I can't, years four yeah. three, three years three years you had the, the famous Bromley pizza coming back from that mate at one point in my life don't worry yeah I, well I'll get my wedding she can care to the wedding <laughs> if she wants to never get married she can care to the wedding I'll or even yours in the longer term, mate. I'll turn up for a pizza, daughter. <laughs> Just for the pizza. That's yeah, yeah. It. And the, and the flies over spoons, obviously. Obviously. I mean, 
there's so much going on. But I mean, you visited Blythe. Can you just tell everyone how nice a place Blythe is it's before we? Pretty much. Do you know, like they say, the Fifi Islands can't come any further north. Well, Blythe changed that record. It's fantastic. <laughs> nice beaches, a decent football team, good chippies. I mean, the Bromleys live there. Why go anywhere else? Fair. Yeah, that, that's the perfect way to say it. So thanks for... That's non-biased. That's no bias whatsoever. <laughs> thanks for coming on, Alex. And, um, it's been a pleasure talking Rochdale. I never believed we would be here doing a, a league podcast with Rochdale. I never believed... Yeah, this is, might be the only time in our lives that we are level, you know, as football fans. Until we get taken over by Qataris, mate, then we'll see you in the Premier in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it could be you know, Manchester City's owner's brother wants to get involved and... United won't sell, so you pick watch deal. Yeah, you could just go to trade for Manchester trying to buy Leeds and ends up stranded in a northern rail replacement bus service in Rochdale just think I can't be arsed, I'll just come here instead. Hell yeah. That's dream. (laughs) Perfect. You can sign us off now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.